Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you're listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. It's good to be with you once again. Today is crazy. I was off social media for most of the weekend because it's MLK weekend and a bunch of my friends are in town from New York. So I've been hanging out in L.A. and mixing and mingling out and about and being Demi in my capsule wardrobe. My godmother was in town. Oh, let me tell you a quick story about my godmother. So my mother recently retired. When I was in D.C. at the top of the year, I went home to celebrate my mother's retirement while I was on the East Coast. So sitting at the kitchen table, having this convo with my mom. And I'm like, so mom, like, what are you going to do with, you know, your retirement? Have you made any plans? And she's like, no, I haven't really figured anything out. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to China in October. And I was like, I'm sorry, excuse me? You, you are going to China? Because when I went to Istanbul, it was, you're going to the other side of the world. It's too far. Why do you need to go explore all these places? And now you're going to China? And she was like, yeah, I'm going to walk the Great Wall. What? I'm like, Mom, you don't like to walk. When we were in Savannah over the holidays, I would find some place and I'd be like, oh, it's like half a mile away. It's only an eight to 10 minute walk. It's a nice day. And Savannah is like the most walkable city on earth. Like it's very flat unless you're like right on the water. My mom was like, no, we can get the car. We could drive. So we would literally go to the car and drive half a mile and then drive around for five minutes looking for a parking space so she didn't have to walk half a mile. And now this same woman is telling me that she's going to go walk the Great Wall of China? I was like, Mommy, you don't like to walk. And so she was like, yeah, but I'm going to get a trainer. I'm going to start working out so I can walk the Great Wall of China. Mommy, you don't like working out. And she was like, yeah, but I want to walk the Great Wall of China. I don't know who my mother is becoming in retirement. I was like, Mommy, who are you? And she was like, Demetria, I am your mother. Okay. Here's when my godmother comes in. So she's going to China with my godmother. My godmother is in town for a baby shower this weekend. She brings her grandson. So my godmother and my mother are obviously best friends. They're around the same age. My godmother could also be my mom. We go out to eat. We go to the valet. I hear this rev of an engine. This Maserati pulls around. And my godmother was like, all right, babe, it was great to see you. I'm sorry. Like, this is not your car. You have not come to L.A., woman old enough to be my mother, with your grandson, a grandmother, pushing a Maserati? And she was like, yeah, that's my Maserati. Really? So my mother and my Maserati godmother are going to head off to China unsupervised. I don't know who they are anymore. And my godmother's not even retired. She's living this life while still working. I'm scared. I tried to ask my mother, I said, mommy, do you think that I should go to China with y'all? And she was like, for what? Just to make sure that, you know, y'all are in China and just make sure y'all are good. And she was like, nobody invited you. That's how we do our children now. We get retired and feel very grown about ourselves. The Great Wall of China and Maseratis. This is what grown women are doing with their free time. What a life. I'm actually excited for her. My mother didn't really travel that much. I mean, she's seen some world, but that's more me and my dad's thing. Like we like to bop around and be adventurous. My mom has always been the more stable one. 
But with her newfound retirement, she was just like, well, you on the other side of earth. My husband is grown. So I'm going to go be grown wherever I feel like being grown at. It's like, oh, I feel like she's introducing me to the new her. I'm not accustomed. I swear she started trying to change her name. If my mom starts trying to be like, call me, no. I call my dad by his first name. He prefers it, though. I've done that since I was, like, in high school. He called his mom by her first name. And I was like, how do you get to call your mom by her first name? And he was like, that's her name. And I was like, so I could just call you? And he was like, it's my name. So that's what I do. I did it in front of his friends once. And he was like, you see how my kid treats me? I was like, are you serious? This, is your, this was your idea. And he was like, I wouldn't agree to that. What? I think he felt a little embarrassed. So sometimes in public, I call him dad. Or if I need a little present or something, I'd be like, daddy. <laughs> Don't make fun of me for that. I'm an only child. If you have children, you understand. Your children are always your children. Prince Harry's father is looking out for him. Have you been keeping up with the, uh, the Megxit? Which people are so mad at me for using that term. They're like, you know that's a term that racists use. I'm like, yes, I've reclaimed it. Especially when they were using it on the cover of the British tabloids is like a catchy way to describe what was going on. Especially once Harry and Meghan announced they were splitting their time between North America, quote and unquote, and the UK and stepping back from their positions as senior royals. It was on the cover of all like the major British papers. And then people were mad at me for using it. I'm like, no, I think it's been co-opted as like the popular slang term. If you click on Megxit, hoping to be a raging racist, you will also find my posts that are in full support of Megan and how awesome she is. If I can ruin a racist day by using that hashtag, I feel good about it. Is that a wrong way to celebrate Martin Luther King's birthday? Anyway, last we spoke, Megan and Harry had just announced the day before that they were pulling back from their royal duties. And now, I guess almost two weeks later, the deal has been finalized. Meghan and Harry will retain their HRH titles, but they won't be able to use them commercially. They will pay back the British taxpayers for the, I think it's $2 million in renovations that they had done to their home in the UK. They're going to be in Canada most of the time, not just split time, but most of the time. I think Harry's been stripped of all his army titles. They still keep the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. There's some question as to whether Royal Sussex, they put a copyright on that name for a bunch of different products. There's some question as to whether they will be able to use it. Harry has... I want to say I read 42 million USD in his own name privately. Part of that is what they're going to use to pay back the 2 million. There's a question about what to do with their security and who will be picking up the tab now that they're no longer senior royals. I, I read it's about 2 million. I don't know if that was pounds or dollars. Either way, it's a lot of money. Prince Charles, heir to the throne, has said that he will help support Harry and Meghan in their interim. Some people complained about that. They were like, if he wants to go, then he needs to go. And I was like, if a father wants to help support their kid, that's the father's business. There's so many things to talk about with this. It's caused a lot of conversation. I'm happy for them. I think the arrangement is probably not what they were expecting. I think 
they were expecting, what they initially put out, that they're going to split time. They're going to step back from duties, but they'll keep their titles. They'll continue to serve the queen and work on her behalf. And the queen was like, no, no. If you're not senior and you want to go, then you can go with blessing, but you can't have it both ways. So they're going to Canada and they will figure it out. I've read some of the nastiest things about Meghan and Harry. Apparently, this is all Meghan's bright idea and Harry is just the lap dog that is following behind in her footsteps. And I was like, really? That's how y'all going to portray this man who's always been the rebellious royal, the cheeky royal? All of a sudden, he's a spineless, boneless, ballless man who does whatever this harping, screeching black woman tells him to do. Really? I feel like this was very much an ussy type thing. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if it was his idea. I mean, he's hinted many times over the years of not being happy in the royal family. Which, you know, if my mother had been killed in an accident... And there was widespread speculation that other family members, royals, had something to do with calling it. That might make me want to, you know, abandon ship as well. Or, as Harry's pointed out recently, he's like, every time I hear the photographers clicking, it reminds me of being with my mother, who was killed, being chased by the media. Seeing it happen to my wife disturbs me. Those are two valid reasons for that man to want out. I also find it really interesting that when Meghan quit Suits and gave up her citizenship and went over to the UK to marry Harry, everyone was like, oh, yeah, she's marrying a prince. She's giving up everything for true love. I mean, the people who were supportive. But all of a sudden, the tables have turned and Harry is doing the exact thing to protect Meghan and their child, Archie. Harry is stepping back from his family. He's stepping back from his title. He's stepping back from the only world he's ever known in order to keep his wife and child safe. It was okay when Meghan did it, but it's not okay when Harry does it. Why not? And as a husband, is there anything possibly more honorable you can do than protect your family? Husband 101, protect family. And then I've been reading all these people speculating, but what are they going to do? How are they going to make money? If a white man with a royal title and $42 million in the bank can't figure out how to flip that, ain't no hope for the rest of us. They'll be fine. I'm rooting for them. There was a picture today that came out of Megan. She had Archie strapped to her chest and she's walking her two dogs. She's hiking. I want to say she's in Vancouver. She looks blissfully happy. Big old smile, just strutting along with the dogs and the baby. Harry apparently just left the UK. They've been separated for the last couple weeks. They made that announcement that they were out, and then Meghan got on a budget flight. I want to say they reported the flight was like 150 from the UK to Canada. And I was like, was she on spirit? But Meghan's been out since the day after the announcement. Harry stayed behind to work things out with the family. They've been apart for about two weeks, so he was headed home. Megan looked happy as I don't know what. They about to experience the first days of freedom? One of my friends did bring up a good point. She was like, so Megan ain't been in this life but two years. So she can go back to regular living and be perfectly fine. Harry has never had a job. He's 36 years old. He's always had a royal staff. He's always had drivers. He's always had people, handlers. 
But she did point out Harry is accustomed to a whole different life. And she was like, not to say that he can't adjust, but she was like, that's going to be a hell of an adjustment. Make a good reality show, which I totally don't want to see them on. But it would be an interesting show. Would be an interesting screenplay too, wouldn't it? Huh. I think of everything in terms of like screenwriting now. Oh, screenwriting class started up again. I have a different professor this time. Interesting disposition. I don't immediately mesh as well in this class. It's going to take a little more effort on this part. My professor totally ripped the the outline and beat sheet that I put together. This professor was like, mm, it's a little dry. It doesn't work for me. And he was like, you're not giving me worst case scenario. So this is one of the things that we do in screenwriting class. And I'll just give you an example. One of my characters, it's his 44th birthday. He's having sex with a woman who is not his wife and he can't get it up. He was like, what's worse than that? Tells the rest of the class not to jump in. Looks at me directly. He was like, what's worse than that? Um, he gets an STD. And he was like, okay, what's worse than that? Um, his wife walks in. Okay, what's worse than that? I'm like, are you serious right now? What's worse than that? Come on, what's worse? Whole class is silent, staring me in the face. I mean, it's only eight people, so, but still. So I'm like, um, 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 um. Everyone's just staring, just staring me in the face. The condom breaks. Yes, the condom breaks is the beginning of a story. There's 50 million scenarios that go from there. And I was like, oh. I took a class, like Robert McGee's class, like years and years and years ago. And it was like the good thing, the bad thing, the worst thing, and the worst thing. I think that's what it was. There's a technical name for this. I don't remember what it is, but essentially... All your great television shows, especially the pilots, it gives the worst case scenario. The drama and the possibilities of where the story can go is what draws people in and makes them keep watching. So my professor says that my story is not dramatic enough, which I'm like, really? I'm a very dramatic person in general. And he was like, no, you need more. So he was like, have you seen Succession? I may have watched an episode once, like, you know, hanging out with a friend that I hang out with, and he was like, no, you've got to watch the pilot for Succession. Start there. Homework for the week is to rewrite my beat sheet, watch the pilot for Succession. Class was on Tuesday, Wednesday morning. I wake up, make breakfast, turn on Succession. I was hooked from the first scene. I was supposed to watch the pilot, and then I was supposed to go to the gym and run some errands and do some other work. I went to the gym. I did do that. I canceled the rest of my day. And I watched the entire first season of Succession. And then the following day, I watched the entire second season of Succession. And then the final episode of the second season, I watched five times back to back to back to back. It is one of the best hours of television I have ever seen. And this is not an ad. I am not getting paid for this. I do not have a sponsorship with HBO. But my God, that is great TV. In short, it's a father who owns a media company. He has four kids. Three of them are vying to take over the top spot. King Lear. Is it King Lear? I think it's King Lear. Don't quote me on that. It's so good. What was the point of this? Succession, screenwriting classes, Meghan and Harry. I have no idea. I think I just really wanted to tell you about my screenwriting classes in Succession. Is that okay? That's okay, yeah? All right. Let's get in a quick word from one of our sponsors. 
Let's face it, New Year's resolutions don't always stick, especially the ones that focus on health, because those require the most work. I've been trying to do the Stairmaster 30 minutes, six days a week, sometimes two a days. Eh, I'm up to like four and a half. If I do 20 minutes instead of 30, that counts, yeah. Fortunately, Daily Harvest makes it easy to eat well. They deliver thoughtfully sourced, chef-crafted food right to my door, and everything can be prepared in five minutes or less. Daily Harvest is something that you can enjoy year-round as a quick solution to get the fruits and vegetables you need every day. Daily Harvest works directly with farmers to harvest organic fruits and vegetables at their peak and freezes them within 24 hours to lock in those nutrients. Everything stays fresh until you're ready to enjoy it. Choose from more than 65 different options like smoothies, hearty soups, harvest bowls, and overnight oats. Each recipe takes one step to prepare with room to make them your own. Add your favorite milk to blend up a smoothie or heat up a harvest bowl and top it with an avocado or fried egg. My fave, the cherry smoothie with a little bit of almond milk. Whether you're at home, at your desk, or on the go, Daily Harvest is the easiest way to have a delicious and nutritious meal or snack. Go to dailyharvest.com and enter promo code RESPECTABLE to get $25 off your first Daily Harvest box. That's promo code RESPECTABLE, R-E-S-P-E-C-T-A-B-L-E for $25 off your first box at dailyharvest.com dailyharvest.com So I wasn't aware that Tyler Perry had become as sacred as Beyonce. Tyler Perry has a new film out on Netflix. What is the name of it? Felicia Rashad and Cicely Tyson are in it. I have not seen it. I am not a Tyler Perry fan in general. I have learned that I am not the demographic for Tyler Perry films. And by demographic, I mean people like my mom and others, not necessarily women, not necessarily older black women, but just people who enjoy Tyler Perry films. There are people from all sects of life who really enjoy them. I am not one of those people. In a previous episode of this podcast, I spoke at length about my respect for Tyler Perry and his business accomplishments, how he seems to conduct himself as a man. I appreciate him. I especially appreciate his studio. I said that I would like to see him make more content, especially now that he has a studio lot that is more engaging for wider audiences. So he's got the the people that love him. He has them on lock. I would love to see him expand. He recently did an interview with Leah King. She's an amazing writer, amazing interviewer too. She spoke with him at length about his lack of a writer's room. And he told a story about the time when he did have a writer's room and how he was paying these people all this money and they weren't producing the work that he wanted, that his audience wanted. He said that the audience began to dip. So he was left with no choice but to fire everyone and to take over writing the projects himself. He says he writes about 300 pages per weekend, per week, something like that. Either way is astounding. 
the new movie that's on Netflix, um, A Fall from Grace. That's the name of it, A Fall from Grace. He said that he shot that movie in five days. It's one, two, three, four, five. Five days. He's very proud of that. I have not seen it. Once again, I have no intentions of seeing it. I know that Tyler Perry's movies don't agree with me. I just leave his work to be. But all weekend, every time I log into social media, I see people talking about Tyler Perry and this new film. And they are going at each other's throats, cursing each other out over whether or not they like a film. And that's when I realized that Tyler Perry had reached Beyonce status. Because, like, you know how you can't say anything about Beyonce that's negative without the beehive coming for you. The same thing is starting to happen with Tyler Perry. People be like, I don't understand the wig situation. And people are like, why are you hating on this black man who's out here representing the community and making content for black people? And he has a lot and he has money and he's affiliated with Oprah and he's putting black people on and he has black people working in, in the studio in Atlanta. And, 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 and I was like, whoa, y'all mofos sound crazy. Here's where it gets crazier. So there's people who like Tyler Perry movies. And I wrote about this on my Instagram page. And people got mad at me, like mad for observing what people were doing online. Apparently, I'm not allowed to observe what people say about Tyler Perry either because then I become part of the problem. I'm also part of the problem because I didn't watch the movie, which is its own separate thing. So there are people who watch this Tyler Perry movie and they like the movie. And people were like, oh, you're terrible. You have no, no taste in film. Your taste is trash, and you probably don't have a passport. Yikes. That was my first observation. My second observation was, if you watch the Tyler Perry film and you didn't like it, then you're considered bougie and you think you're better than everyone because you've been to the Caribbean twice. Don't like a Tyler Perry film, then you think you're better. Those two people will be at war with one another until somebody pops on the thread and was like, oh, I ain't watched the film. And that's me, right? I'm the, I didn't watch the film type. Those two people, the people who watched the film and have been cursing at each other and fighting and arguing and calling each other out their names and taking all sorts of jabs at each other over a film will then unite and turn on the people who didn't watch the film and call them a sellout for not supporting a hardworking black man. And, and you who haven't watched the film are part of the reason that there aren't more quality black films. You're not watching Tyler Perry films opening weekend, so you are a sellout, and the lack of quality films is your fault. I'm like, wait, are y'all serious? I can't figure out the proper way to watch a Tyler Perry film. Like, if you like it, it's a problem. If you don't like it, it's a problem. If you don't watch it, that's a problem too. And then what I spoke of before, this special designation where you're not allowed to critique Tyler Perry films. It becomes this like, you shouldn't critique black art. You should just support. Meanwhile, no one ever says this about power. I mean, power goes a little crazy sometimes, but power is definitely not a Tyler Perry type production. We critique power up and down every freaking Sunday. We start Sunday morning because everybody watches the show at midnight now. Everybody got the stars at. Power, we could talk about all day. We could pick apart. Why would Tasha keep the papers that Lakeisha signed for the police on her kitchen table under Raina's stuffed animal? We could talk about Tasha's wig. We could talk about the storyline dragging. We could talk about like how we wish everybody was dead, including 
the murder of a teenage boy. <laughs> like, please kill Tyreek. Please, please kill Tyreek. That's fine. Critiquing power, no problem. Critiquing Tyler Perry? I'm of the opinion that all art that you put out is is subject to critique. I include my writing in that. Like, I, you know, I put stuff online. I write books. I write magazine articles. I write blogs now and again. It's all subject to critique. And people never have any problem critiquing it. Even with, like, the post that I put on Instagram about Tyler Perry, which, to be clear, I stated, I have not watched. God bless to the folks that did. Enjoy yourselves. Something along the lines. But I literally wrote, God bless, and still got cursed out. I was like, really, y'all coming for me for, like, observing? Is that you didn't understand when I said I'm observing what people are saying? Or was it the part where you didn't understand when I said, I think we found ourselves in a conundrum? Are there folks who don't know exactly what a conundrum is? Mm -hmm. But I'm like, in every other aspect, people are allowed to critique. And somehow, Tyler Perry, no. Again, have not seen the film. Been on social media. People are talking about different scenes. Apparently, there's a court scene it's shot over the judge's shoulder you can see the actor playing the judge reading the script in front of him there's another scene where a man and a woman are on a date there's an extra in the background who's drinking from a cup that has no liquid in it i know it's a five-day shoot y'all had no budget for water he's also eating something or pretending to eat something but it appears the good sir is eating air he just he takes the fork and he he lifts it to his mouth and there's nothing on it when he drinks the water his throat actually you can see like the gulping motion in his throat but there is no water it's a good actor i guess it's a lot i wouldn't have told people it was made in five days i think that just gave people ammo to go and look for the inconsistencies that would have to be in a project that was made in five days. I talked about this too. It's so weird how the same subjects keep coming up over and over again. I remember with, um, with Harriet, which I didn't go see. I read that Cynthia Rebo had been nominated. What did she get nominated for? She got nominated for a big award recently. I was really happy for her. Was it an Oscar? Was it a Golden Globe? I think it was a Golden Globe. That was another one of those films where if you don't see the film, then you're not supporting black people and you're a sellout. You're not supporting black art and the race. And and I asked then, how do we determine which films become must-sees? And if you don't see them, then you're somehow a discredit to the race. So we did this for Cynthia and and Harriet. Okay. People said it was a good film. I saw the previews and I just didn't have any real interest in seeing it. It didn't look bad. I just didn't have any interest. But this is what I asked before. I said, how do we determine what is the black film we must support or the black project we must support? But we don't do that for all black projects. I used Pose as the example before. That's a black project. Janet Mock is black. Yeah. All the leads on the show are are black or brown. But somehow we didn't ever decide that Pose must be watched. I'm going to assume because it's a show about transgender black folks and gay folks. I guess that's the issue. We also haven't collectively decided if you don't watch Power, then you're not supporting the race either. We don't do it for Insecure. We pick like the randomness projects. I'm just really curious how we decide the it black projects that must be 
support it. We don't do it for Greenleaf. We don't do it for Queen Sugar, which is one of the best shows on television. But we don't make that like a must-see. And we don't fight people over not seeing it. If you want to go hard for Tyler Perry, I'm not even going to be mad at you. I just want you to go as hard for Pose and Queen Sugar. Two of my favorite shows. If y'all want to keep Tyler Perry in business, I would also like you to work equally as hard to keep Pose and Queen Sugar in business. Because I think those are both amazing shows with very talented black women at the helm. I would like to see that. Deal? Madame Lonnie Love. I'm mindful about how I speak of her. My sis is now on The Real, and she's her co-star. And I spoke of Lonnie previously. She said something about relationships that seemed to imply that dating a white man would be easier. When I spoke about it, people were like, no, Lonnie's not like that. She's got good sense. Take it easy. And I did. At the time, I did not know her to say wild and inflammatory things. So I was like, you know what? I could have totally misread that. I am not always right. But I just wanted to clear up to say that, you know, whatever she said and whatever she meant, people took it to mean that she was saying that white men will treat you better or non-black men. I don't know if she necessarily said or she implied white, but she has a, a white boyfriend currently. Whatever she said, what people took from it, I saw people saying that a non-black man will treat you better. And I made the point that men of all colors, creeds, and ethnicities are capable of treating you in a manner that is less than you deserve. Treating women poorly is not something all black men do. And poor treatment of women is not the sole domain of black men. Sometimes I'm hard on on black guys. Sometimes I'm hard on black women. Sometimes I'm hard on myself. I'm equal opportunity here. I just thought that that was necessary to make clear. Even when I speak of situations where black men have not behaved as their best, I try to be mindful to say some or most or a few. I try not to indict a whole group of people because I don't like it when I see people do it to black women. So that's it. Lonnie Love is on the reel. And I do not know what inspired the entire comment. I just saw the clips of her conversation, but she wanted to make a point and she was like, hey, so, quote, I'm going to read you what she said because I don't want to misconstrue. And she said, I don't speak for the black community, but I do think that a lot of black men, they really don't know how to have true, faithful relationships, specifically says black men. They think because they have money, they have power, that they can treat women any kind of way. She said a lot. She did not say all. So it is not an indictment of everyone. So clear. Here's where it gets weird. Adrian chimes in and she was like, yeah. So um, I think, sadly, in so many cultures, that is the whole machismo thing that goes across the board. And Lonnie corrects her and was like, no, it's not across the board because what is happening is that we are all still dealing with the point of slavery. And we are descendants of slavery. And because our families were broken up, we still don't have an idea of how to have togetherness because of the families that were broken up. Until Adrian jumped in to try to lifeboat her a little bit, 
to be like, hey, so I don't think it's a black man thing. I think that there are men across all cultures who treat women poorly. Like this isn't a black thing, which she ain't even black. Like she wasn't even obligated to jump in there. But I appreciate her allyship on that one. Right. But then Lonnie being like, no. And like insisting this is a black thing. It's not. It's not. Are there black men that treat women like pure D shit? Yes. I've been on the receiving end of it for more than one person. But it's not a black thing. And I'm really like I get that some days you just want to talk about like a black issue. You just want to address like a black thing. So you're not being inclusive and speaking of everyone else. But it was just a really weird thing for her to like shut down Adrian when she was trying to say like, hey, this is a kind of everybody thing. It's not just a black thing. She just really wanted to hand it to black men that day and then blame cheating on slavery. All races of men, ethnicities of men were not enslaved. And somehow across the board, they tend to treat women pretty poorly. I don't think you can blame modern day cheating on what happened during slavery. I think at some point, it's, I have a fundamental lack of respect for women. It's I am playing into the larger culture's perception of women because it's not like white men have a great respect for white women either. When you don't respect someone on a fundamental level, it makes it really easy to treat them bad. It makes it really easy to cheat on them and think nothing of it. We make quite the big deal about women when they cheat on men. No one ever tells a man who has been cheated on by a woman to stay. He probably wouldn't tell people because he's embarrassed. He thinks it's some sort of indication about his masculinity that his woman cheated on him. But you tell a man who's been cheated on, you tell him he deserves better. A woman who's been cheated on by a man, you say, well, that's what men do. Don't just walk away because he made a mistake. The truth of the matter is, is men are far more valued. We think of women as disposable. This one doesn't work. Get another one. Especially black men in the black community. We treat them like demigods. They also may be part of the reason that they act the way they do. The ones who don't act right. This is me acknowledging that there are many and plenty who do. I do not believe that all men are not shit. I do not believe all men cheat. I think that's important to say. A lot of men don't know how to have true and faithful relationships. A lot of women don't know how to have true and faithful relationships. That's not necessarily a black thing, and that's not necessarily a man thing. And I think to get on a national platform and say that is a poor choice of words, also irresponsible, and looks bad, especially when you're a black woman with a white significant other to be the one to say it. And I'll leave it at that. Speaking of cheating, ah, a perfect segue. SAG Awards were last night. Jennifer Aniston wins Best Actress, I believe, for The Morning Show, which I hope I've spoken about on here. It's a really, really, really good show. But Jennifer Aniston wins this SAG Award, and she gives like a really great speech about how she's happy to be in the room and it's not her first time, but you know, she's 50 and she's winning her SAG award. Like this is a really good thing. She's had a 30 year career, a great run. So good for her. Brad Pitt, her ex-husband also won a SAG award and he gave a great speech and he talked about how he's on tender. He said some other things. None of this is really discussed the day after the SAG awards because everyone and their mother is talking about, the pictures and the short video from when Brad and Jen encountered each other backstage. 
I'm saying this next part with the understanding. I do not know these people. I recognize that a picture is not a full representation of an interaction. It is a split second capture and it does not tell a complete story. A video, depending on how it's edited, depending on the angles, depending on how much of the interaction you show is not always an honest representation of what happened. But there are two popular images that were circulated. One of them is Brad and Jen face-to-face. She, to me, looks like she's cringing. Is Jen walking away and Brad holding her wrist, which appears to keep her from leaving. The first one, her body language looks incredibly uncomfortable. It looked real like creepy and cringy to me. She did not look happy to see him. I've since been informed that they are actually friendly. He was in attendance at her 50th birthday party a few months ago. But the image that's circulating, cringy, right? I go through my timeline. Everyone's like, oh my God, Jen and Brad, Jen and Brad. Oh my God, I love them together. I hope they can reunite. Oh my God, Jen and Brad. And I'm just like, do all of y'all have amnesia? Do y'all not remember how dirty he did that lady? They were married and he went on a film with Angela Jolie, started having an affair with her, kept denying it publicly, which, you know, that's what people do when they have affairs. They don't want to be found out about. Jen found out from the tabloids, if I recall correctly. And at some point in the middle of their divorce, he goes and shoots like a 10, 15 page spread in W Magazine playing fictional family with Angelina Jolie and a bunch of kids. He does a press run blaming Jen for why their marriage didn't work and why he cheated, which he calls her boring, said he had to be high on marijuana all the time just to spend time around her. Like it was terrible and ugly. And Jen handled it like as gracefully as she could when the tabloids decided they were going to side with her husband and his mistress as opposed to her. He did that woman so ugly, so dirty, so publicly. And this is the relationship that people are wanting for a reunion? Really? Y'all don't want no better for that woman than that? And maybe he's a different man. Maybe she's completely forgiven him. And I would like to hope that he is a different man. I would like to hope in the 15 years that they've been divorced since he married Angelina and they had a billion children together. I would like to hope that they have both moved on. They've become better people that Jen has been able to forgive him. That would be awesome. It's not my business if she did. It's not my business if she doesn't. But can we talk about how forgiveness doesn't mean that you have to go back? Or how even being friendly or being cordial or being polite doesn't mean you have to be in a relationship with somebody who did you dirty. Me personally, me personally, myself, I, I went on a date with this guy who used to say that. Like he would identify himself with like a million different I statements before he would say his name. But at least he didn't refer to himself in the third person because I've also been on a date with somebody who does that. Anyway, I can't be friends with you if you cross a certain threshold of grimy with me. People make mistakes. I get it. People fall short. I get it. People are not perfect. I get it. But if you really like do some grimy dog me out type ish, like what Brad did to Jen, we can't be friends. She chooses to, that's her business. I'm just speaking about myself. But the idea that people would root for a woman to give a second chance to a guy who 
publicly dissed her. And then she was dragged in the media for, what, 15 years? Like, anytime something would come up with Brad Pitt, like, to this day. Like, last night, she wins a SAG award. No one's talking about her SAG award. They're talking about her interaction with her ex-husband. The whole time he was married to Angelina, anything that happened, they were like, well, what is Jen doing? What is Jen thinking? What is Jen? Well, he's married. He just had a new kid. Okay, so Jen doesn't have kids. Okay, so Jen got into this relationship. I wonder how he compares to Brad. Like, it was just nonstop. She has dealt with that her entire career through no fault of her own because of the messy way that he left her and it became a tabloid scandal. That's a lot. That's a lot of emotional suffering. And thank God, like, Twitter and social media didn't exist at the time. Or maybe Facebook did, but it was still when you had to have a .edu. MySpace, maybe. But that's nowhere like Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook the way we use it now. So in that way, she was spared. But still, the tabloids were and still are pretty bad toward her. I hope Jen, because she's a grown woman, does what's best for Jen. But I hope all the folks that sit around rooting for this woman to go back to her toxic ex, I hope that's just something that y'all are just throwing out there on social media and that's not something you're actually practicing in your real life. The type of person who does you that level of dirty fundamentally does not like you and does not respect you. People do change. It's very hard for them to change like the fundamental way that they feel about you. People don't treat you like shit and then suddenly decide, oh, I'm going to treat her great now. That's not really how it works. Sorry if that just burst anyone's bubble. We've got two more topics, but we've been going on long today. Let's rip through this one because it's kind of quick. Lori Harvey and Future. On paper, it makes no sense. He's got, what, nine kids? He's in his mid-30s. She's 23. He is attractive. He's got an interesting look. The blonde dreads give him an interesting sort of look. He's not a bad-looking guy. I guess he's got money. Although he's paying a lot of child support. I don't know how much real coin that actually results in. After the IRS and all the child support, I don't know how much is actually in the bank. But I'm not going to parse the man's coin. He does work. He does perform. He's had hits. I'm convinced his D game got to be proper. You got nine kids. Literally nine. I'm not even exaggerating. It might be eight, but I really think it's nine. And I want to say it's like nine by seven women. Like it's, it's a lot. I would like to think that if I was Lori Harvey, I'd make better decisions. But I also remember being 23 and I really didn't. It would seem quite hypocritical of me knowing the poor choices that I made when it came to dating to criticize her choices. Because surely there'd be somebody popping up like, now, ma'am, I know you ain't talking. Not about that. Because I remember, I recall, there may be no video. There may be grainy pictures on a BlackBerry phone. But yeah, so she had her 23rd birthday party in Jamaica. Her parents were in tow. They were in town celebrating Marjorie's father's birthday as well. It was shortly before Lori's. There's some question as to whether Future flew her out and all of her friends to Jamaica or whether he just came down for the festivities. But Lori typically does not post him. She did post him a couple times in her Instagram stories. Once with him kissing her cheek in the car while she was staring into the camera looking beautiful and unbothered. And then he posted a picture on his main Instagram page. Lori kept him in stories. He posted a picture on his main Instagram page of them in the pool. He's all up on her and Lori's looking up at the sky. 
And I wondered to myself, I was like, does this man know he's being played? Because she looks unbothered in every pick. I mean, it's only two for two at this point. People recognize a disinterested man very quickly. Not so much a disinterested woman. Lori Harvey looks all of not interested at all in the pictures that she's posted or the pictures that she's posted or allowed to be posted with her in it, her in future in it. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. He's probably really fun. He's probably really cocky and talks a good game. He probably lays great pipe. I pray that she is on the strongest birth control ever made for humankind and keeps morning after pills in her purse because super sperm. He's a fuck boy. I'm in no ways a fan of future, especially not after how he did Sierra and then all the baby mamas and all that other stuff. But at 23, you're not thinking about that. Like, you're not trying to be married to somebody. She might not even try to be have a boyfriend. He might just be fun and a cute look. Because I was thinking about it the other day. I was like, what do we know Lori Harvey for? Like, she's a cute girl. She's the daughter of Steve Harvey. But we primarily know her through who she dates. I think she may be taking, like, the J-Lo approach to, like, upping her fame. J-Lo actually did have talent, though. She's a great dancer. And she flipped that into a singing thing. And then an acting thing. I don't know if Lori Harvey can sing, dance, or act. But she's popular. I just keep wishing with, like, all the people tuning into, like, her and Future and following whatever adventures that they're on, that she had a point of sale. I look at Jordan, who's really good friends with Lori Harvey. Jordan, who used to be with the Kardashians. Jordan Woods. But Jordan releases something new. Like, she's got workout DVDs. She's got a makeup situation. She's got some workout clothes. There's some other stuff, but I feel like Jordan's releasing a new product like once a month. And I was like, I would love to see that for Lori Harvey as well. Like you got all these people tuning in, like have a point of sale. But also a really good friend pointed out to me and she was like, this is only something we demand of black women. Like we always want them to be working on something. We want them to be doing something. And she was like, look, the girl's a bona fide socialite. Like her father has like a hundred mil in the bank. If he's willing to take care of her, like, so be it. If she doesn't want to work and she just wants to dress and rest like a bona fide socialite, then this is not something we ever ask of, like, white socialites. We never ask, like, where's your job? What are you doing? She must be doing something. Like, no, maybe she just, like, wears cute clothes and travels and lounges about and enjoys life. We're not used to seeing black women at leisure. I like it, quite honestly. I'm not able to be a black woman at leisure, but I like it. I like the idea of it. I would love to be a black woman at leisure. Actually, I'm at my best, though, when I'm productive. That's neither here nor there. I don't think Future would be around very long. Lori seems to like to trade them in every three to four months, which I see nothing wrong with. A lot of people take issue with that. Like, apparently, you're, as a black woman, you're not supposed to date. You're not supposed to have sex with different people. It's, like, horrible and bad, and it will scar you for life, and no one will ever want you because you're, I don't know, tainted and damaged goods and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, has it ever occurred to anyone that, like, the type of woman who dates a lot of people or maybe even has sex with a lot of people has absolutely no interest in the type of guy who wants a woman who's had no experience and no sex and never dated? Those types of people are incompatible. Maybe she wants someone who's like, I live my life, you lived your life, and that's it. Maybe they go and find the lid for their top as opposed to, like, trying to play into some very narrow boundary of who they're supposed to be as opposed to being who they 
actually are and want to be. Maybe they find someone that actually likes them for them and accepts all of them, including their dating life and maybe even (gasps) had sex. It's always so funny to me, people, when you talk about black women being free or black women just doing whatever they want to do, people say black women can't do that. Black women can't do that. They can't get away with that. Black women do it all the time and they get away with it. We have this weird idea that there's only like a certain type of woman that is worthy to be in a relationship. I've spoken about this before. A type of woman who is worthy to be a wife. All types of women get married. Even sexually free, sexually fluid women who've had a bunch of men that they've dated or had a a bunch of sex or a bunch of orgies. Those women get married too. Women who are sex workers also get married. There's no one type of woman that gets married. It's the type of woman who finds someone that she really likes, who she wants to marry and wants to marry her. And whether they have a big ceremony or not, they go somewhere and they sign a marriage certificate for somewhere between 30 and and $100. And then they're married. I wish Lori Harvey the best. I think she's my favorite reality show right now. I love watching her curated life on social media. I had a great time in my 20s. I lived it up, lived it up so much I wrote a book about it. We've talked about this. Bell in Brooklyn, that was the book. Because people were like, you wrote a book? Yes, I wrote two books, A Bell in Brooklyn and Don't Waste Your Pretty. They're not just hashtags. But I lived my 20s well, and I would love to see other young women live their 20s well. I saw a woman say that just because you made all these mistakes in your 20s doesn't mean that you should, that other women should make mistakes in theirs. And I was like, that's what your 20s are for. There to learn, not make tragic mistakes. Like, don't kill anyone. Don't go to jail. Everything else you can recover from. Live, learn, grow, seek. Get out your damn boxes. No one on their deathbed says, I wish I had been more chaste. I wish I had experienced less. I wish I had dated less. No one ever says that shit. So don't live like that. Last, but certainly not least... Can we talk about Lizzo and horrible-ass Jillian Michaels? Is that her name? I have it written down as Jean. I think it's Jillian. Isn't it Jillian? Jillian Michaels, she is a fitness expert. She has a six-pack. She's in wonderful shape. She's actually on the cover, currently, of Women's Health. To give you a factor of, like, her level of celebrity and fitness. So she's doing this interview with BuzzFeed News, AM to DM, and the host brings up body positivity, and she mentions Ashley Graham and Lizzo. Jillian goes on to say, I love her music 100%. I don't know anything about her, but I'm sure she's a cool, awesome chick. The host follows up and says a little more about body positivity. And Jillian's like, I don't really understand why we're discussing her size. Like, what difference does it make? Why are we celebrating it? Why are we discussing it? And it's kind of like, um, because plus size women have been pushed to the margins of fashion and mainstream visibility, and they deserve a seat at the table as well. Maybe. No. Then she goes on to say, basically, we shouldn't celebrate Lizzo's size. And she says, quote, because it ain't going to be awesome if she gets diabetes. What? How did you bring diabetes into a conversation about body positivity? Can you only feel great about your body if you're thin? 
Can you only feel great about your body if you're in amazing health? Even people who have diabetes, are they not allowed to feel positive about their bodies and good about themselves? Like, how does that work? So Jillian promptly gets dragged by the internet because Lizzo, not everybody's fave. She's one of my faves. But I would say half the internet really loves Lizzo. She's chipper and bubbly. I didn't like her ass out at the Lakers game. But I like Lizzo in general. So Jillian gets dragged and she releases a statement. This is for People Magazine. She says, we are all beautiful, worthy, and equally deserving. I also feel strongly that we love ourselves enough to acknowledge that there are serious health consequences with obesity, heart disease, diabetes, cancer, to name only a few. I would never wish these for anyone, emphasis hers, and I would hope we prioritize our health because we love ourselves and our bodies. She continues to say, there's nothing beautiful about clogged arteries. Ma'am, are you serious with this shit? Might I suggest to you that people who are significantly overweight, who, who would likely, because of their weight, be more susceptible to diabetes, to heart disease, to cancer, which Jillian names, right? Could I suggest to you that overweight people know about the health concerns because they can't go two days or 20 minutes without someone reminding them that they're overweight and questioning their health based on their weight? This is not some revelation. Every time that you encounter or have a conversation about an overweight person, you don't need to automatically jump to your health concerns about their weight. Because the truth of the matter is you really don't care. It was a conversation about body positivity. Then she jumps to assuming that Lizzo is going to have diabetes. What? Actually, it's not crazy. It's concern trolling. We see people do this every day on the internet. Early on in this podcast, I interviewed a woman. She's a professor. And she wrote about food scarcity, but she also wrote about the way that we respond to overweight bodies, fat bodies, specifically fat black bodies. And she talked about all of the stereotypes that come along with it. She talked about all the possible reasons for it. It's not always just as simple as, oh, someone eats too much. This idea that we're oh so concerned about the, the food intake and the health of strangers is ridiculous. You don't really care about that woman's weight. You're uncomfortable with her weight. You don't like that she's fat. And so you said something negative because you wanted to take a jab at a fat girl. Fat is the last acceptable phobia. Making fun of fat people, being casually phobic towards fat people, people don't think twice about it. Even fat people will say horrible things about fatter people as if y'all not both fat. I really wanted to like rock with Jillian to some degree because the truth of the matter is that, yes, being overweight can come with some health consequences. But the way that we just assign fat as unhealthy and skinny as healthy is inaccurate. My roommate in college was not a fat woman, had diabetes. I know people who would, you would think had, were in fit shape, who've had blood clots. One of my very good friends is in amazing shape. She had cancer. Actually, I know two people who are in their 30s with cancer. Looking fit, being a certain size, does not necessarily mean that you have no health concerns. If you want to be concerned about everyone's health, if you want to point out that everyone needs to get their annual physicals and everyone needs to go to their doctors when they feel like something is off just to err on the side of caution, absolutely. 
But just to single out overweight people as like, well, you should check this and you're going to get this. And if you don't do that, especially in the middle of a conversation about body positivity, like, is this not something that we can support? We can't support people feeling good about themselves. You got to run up in the middle of that with some Debbie Downer ass thoughts. Is that really necessary? I don't think so. Lizzo did have a retort for her. (laughs) Lizzo's response was, quote, if my name is in your mouth. Oh, my gosh, this is a lot even for me. If my name is in your mouth, so is my pussy, bitch. Enjoy the flavor. Oh. Well, that's hard to follow up. So I'm just going to close the show. I'm going to thank you for tuning in. And I'm going to see you. Hopefully next week. If you would like some ratchet and respectable in your life during the week, you can follow me on social media at Demetria L. Lucas. You can also follow my site, DemetriaLLucas.com. And if you like today's podcast, you are welcome to subscribe so you can get the notifications as soon as a new episode is ready. That works for you. That works for me. All right. We'll talk soon. Okay. Bye.